I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Amen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I got hot. Are y'all hot? Amen. Uh, one of our air conditioners went down. So I apologize. It'll be fixed next week. Promise. Amen. So. Are you ready? Hebrews 11. Just go over there. Hebrews 11.1. 1. And I won't go long since it's so hot. Uh, thank you, Miss Ramona. Uh, this is a, a hallmark scripture. We're on the subject of faith. And so this will be the hallmark scripture for faith with us. And so I want you to get this down, highlight it, put it in your Bible, do whatever you have to. Um, I want us to learn the subject of faith. And the reason I want us to learn it is because it's the most critical subject that you and I can have as to receiving from God. Everything I'm going to get from God, everything is going to come through the subject matter of faith. Even your salvation comes that way. For by grace are you saved through faith. So it's not just that Jesus loves us. This is a hard concept for all of us to learn because religiously, we've always been taught religiously. This is how we're taught that, that, that God independently does th- something because he's such a sovereign God that he sovereignly commits himself to do things. And we don't know what they are. Like it could randomly happen to you. Like your life is like a random situation. Like, you know, I mean, if you get sick, he randomly heals you. Now we can believe for healing, but it's still, you know, like, like, uh, you know, randomly, uh, accessed and we randomly receive from God. Does it? And so we can get upset with God at times because we're blaming him for why he didn't do something. Why didn't he accomplish something that we expected? Somebody in our family gets sick and they die and we wonder why didn't God heal them? And we have that question. How many of you have ever had that question? You're raising your hand. Something happens and why, why, why? Now some ideas are is that that's, that that's a benefit to you, that the nastiness you go through in life is God training you and teaching you and he's somehow educating you through this terrible situation. And yet none of the Bible describes God ever as bad. Never is God described as not good. He's always described as good. His gospel is good. Salvation is good. Healing is good. Deliverance is good. Prosperity is good. All of God is good. Acts 10.38 says it this way. How Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. I want you to say this with me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It's a fundamental criteria of the idea of being saved. Now, the church as a whole sometimes uh, has bent the idea to, to, to make it sound as if the negative things and the bad things that come to us are from God, that somehow that's the training, training process of God. But through my teaching, through what I've learned, through what I've read, through what I see, and you define it any way you want to, is I see that God teaches us through his word. How many know he gave us his word? The word is the teacher. How many believe that the word of God is the teacher? And he teaches us through his spirit. How many believe he teaches us through his spirit? That he talks to us. And I have to believe that. I believe that he does. I believe that he's still speaking today. How many believe he still speaks today? Hallelujah. I I mean, I believe he's still talking. He's not silent. He's still talking. He talks through his word. He makes his word real. See, in the word of God, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. That there's information that you and I can hear. Those two words. There's two words in it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. The first word hearing is the word information. Many of us have an informed idea of things. We're just informed about it. We are, we are currently personally informed of something. That doesn't mean we believe it. It just means we're informed of it. 
An example of this is, is, you know, I was told, and I've been told by doctors and nurses and therapists and uh, 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 health people, they told me that if I would get on a treadmill and I would put it at a certain number on the treadmill, right, and I would walk on the treadmill a certain amount of time that I could get my weight down. How many believe I'm right? Get on the treadmill, exercise. Does anybody believe that? I have never done it. I, I don't do it. Now, what does that mean? That means that it has its information to me. I have the information that if I got on the treadmill, I would be healthier. I would certainly have better, uh, uh, you know, breathing and all the things that go with life, that that would be better. And I know, I know that informationally that's correct. But let me tell you something. I ain't got a thing of revelation. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I haven't got any revelation whatsoever. Because if I had revelation, I'd have got on the treadmill. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's the way God's stuff works. Right? So, so I can have information about something, that, but that doesn't mean that I actually do anything about it. That I obey it or walk it out or walk out those things. And, and so in saying that, I'm saying this. That for us to receive from God... This subject matter of faith has to resonate in us and we have to understand that it's not just because God loves you. I mean, if God, if, if, God, if God loving you and his love was enough, then why do I need to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth? I mean, I mean to get saved, to go to heaven, it, doesn't, it is not just, believe, it's not just that he, he, he loves me. No, his actions towards me are that he went to the cross and died for me. That he came to earth and gave his son. That whoever would believe on him, on him would be saved. So God loved me enough to send his son. That's the part God did. But for me to get it, I got to do something. I have to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. I can't blame God if I go to hell. All right, that's, I didn't get enough shouting on that. I should get more shouting. Come on, people, say amen. amen. If I go to hell, it's not because God didn't act on my behalf. He did. He provided his son. He gave me the ability. He gave me the, the, the way. He provided the solution for my eternity, for me to be restored with God. So he gave it to me. Anybody that goes to hell goes because they didn't act on what God gave. Unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. No man comes to the Father but by me. He prescribed it. He defined it. He, he set it up. And so since salvation is received that way, and it's received by faith, through faith, you receive the grace of God through faith. Everything else, everything else you receive will come the same way. If the very basic relationship with God, the very, the very basic thing you can do is get saved. The most important thing you'll ever do is get saved. Everything else pales in comparison to the largeness, the bigness, the hugeness of salvation... And because it does, we can look at salvation as the epitome or the apex of how I receive from God. If the most important thing I can receive is by faith, 
then healing is by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, it's by faith. And he said, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now look at your neighbor and say, God is good all the time. And then John 10.10 says, this is review, John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came, come on somebody, that I can have life. Abundant life. Extraordinary life. Way out of, out, of, out of bounds life. Somebody say, God wants me to get an out of bounds life. Come on, how many know God wants you to live out of bounds? Outside. You're, not, you're, not, you're not bound to earth. He wants to give you an abundant life. So say this. I mean, join with me and say this. I hope you will. God good? Devil bad. I right, say it again. God good? Devil bad. I want you to answer me the question, if this is the case. Now, we said that Jesus went about doing good, healing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. In combination, in the understanding of that, you've got to understand that if Jesus is God, and his example to us is God, when we look at him, we see God. When we hear him talk, we hear God's voice. When we hear his words, they were God's words. And all of them were good, and he went about doing nothing but good and healing all those, I think it's interesting that it says this, that were sick and oppressed of the devil, Acts 10, 38. Then God showed us in Jesus himself that he's good. There isn't anywhere in the New Testament where you're going to be able to find that Jesus did anything bad. I don't see he killed anybody's kids. I don't see that he destroyed their carts. They didn't have cars back then. You could say, well, he destroyed my Lamborghini. They had to say, he destroyed my wooden cart. He didn't destroy their carts. No, he didn't do anything about it. He didn't take their money. He went about doing good, and he healed all those that were sick and oppressed of who? Of the devil. Why is this important? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things that I can't see. Did you highlight it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the, I want to wreck you. I'm going to teach on faith. I want to ruin your old religious beliefs. I want to tear down the walls of religion that have been built around you. And I want you to believe God for the extraordinary. I want you to believe God for larger ministries. Larger outcomes. Bigger things. You know, God is so big that he made flowers and trees and animals and things we don't even know about and planets. And I mean, he is an extravagant God. And he described our lives to be, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things God has in store for them. Listen to me. God has so much more for all of us. Come on, I want you to say, God's got more for me. Come on, there's a bigger ministry, a bigger plan, a better marriage. Children that are safe. As for me and my house, going to serve the Lord. Come on, I want you to say it again. God has bigger for me. God has larger for me. God has more for me. See, religion wants you not to say that. You're sitting there and you're all like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not even worried about that. That's not why I serve God. You're right. 
You should serve God because you love him. You should serve God. But you better know what God said about you. You better know what God wants for your life. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you accepted all of him, not part of him. You didn't get a piece of Jesus. You got all of Jesus. You didn't get a piece of salvation. You got all of salvation. You didn't get a piece of healing. You got all of healing. Somebody ought to say amen. And if it's not in him, it shouldn't be in me. I've never visioned God one time in my life laying on the side of a road having a heart attack. The car turned over and they can't help him and he's dying, can't breathe. No, I don't see Jesus that way. I see Jesus as the man that walked on water. Come on, somebody. That all of his needs were supplied. He didn't go broke on the earth. Come on, somebody. That's how God has described you. That's what God says about you. And so, no, you just serve God. But when you serve God, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of a man the things that God has in store for them. God's got great, big, huge, amazing, tremendous, awesome, wonderful, beyond bounds, out of this world stuff waiting for you. God's got no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. Stuff may come and attack you and come after you, but you've got a God who puts a shield up about you and guards you and protects you and watches over you and keeps you safe and helps you when you need help and puts things in your mind and in your heart. He gives you the desires of your heart. He gives you the desires of your heart. God's got an upward vision. We're seeing up with God. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm seated in heavenly places. Come on, somebody in here ought to know what I'm talking about. You ought to be excited. Because faith allows you to grasp grace. Grace is God's giving. It's unmerited. His favor, it's all the things you could imagine that you didn't pay for, but God did anyway. And every single one of us has access to grace. But grace is provision. There's a lot of teaching out there about grace that I, that I see that's a little distorted, in my opinion. And I'm not, I, I'm not, I, don't, I'm, I don't talk about pastors, ministers, or all those kinds of things, but I'll talk about what I see. I see a distortion. Because what I see with grace is a provision of God, God's provision for mankind. And there's nothing, listen, for a born-again believer, the Bible describes us as nothing missing, nothing broken. Point at your neighbor and say, nothing missing, nothing broken. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Somebody ought to be getting excited. I saw they're going to raise the interest rates again. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you raise the interest rates to 100%. It don't matter to me. My God, I don't count on the government anyway. I thank God for all the help they can give. I thank God for doctors and lawyers and all the people that God has provided, that God gave wisdom and brilliance to, to to do jobs that we all need and all those things. But I continually ask God, in the presence of any of those people, God give them wisdom. God give them help. 
God let them see. I was in the hospital last night, and there was a young man in there, and I just started praying for him. He was in the MICU, and I'm, I got my hands on him. I'm praying for him in the ICU. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and as I'm praying, I, I just am trusting God over his life and all these things. And, and, uh, and as I walked out, the people there uh, instantly realized something. Now, who are you? And I explained to them, I'm, I'm his pastor. You know, and, and so the point was this, that, that I took the presence of God in there with me and the anointing went with me. And I know that God is greater and that God is bigger and God is larger and that God is able to do exceedingly abundant. I know that by Jesus stripes I'm healed. I took that with me because I know it. It's the grace of God, but it doesn't work on its own. It works because you work it. You know, the word works when you work the word. Look at somebody say, the word works when you work the word. Grace is provision. Look at somebody say, grace is provision. Everything you will ever need, everything, everything, finances, marriage, sin, everything you will ever need, God already did it. Now, see, some of you still believe that God will do it. You haven't come to the conclusion that God has done it. You, you still think if you pray enough, God's going to do something. No, if you pray enough, something's going to come that God already did. <laughs> For by grace are you saved outside the door. You've heard this before. I'm going to tell it again because you need to get it is a Lamborghini, fully gassed up, keys are in it. The license plate says Stephen T. McCart. I know I can't say that, but just pretend it did. Been washed, cleaned. Inside is the title. Made out to Stephen T. McCart. It's outside that door. And I've been told you can walk out that door, that's your car. Go outside that door, that's your car. Just go get in, it's yours. Everything about it's paid for, it's done. And I said, well, why, why did you do that for me? Because, I mean, I, I didn't earn it. No, you don't have to earn it, I just did it. It's outside the door? Yeah. I don't have to pay for it, there's no payments on it. I don't have to, no, it's hard to pay for. It's yours, right outside the door. And then I said, well, how do I get it? He said, you got to go out the door. If I never go out the door, it's not mine. Does anybody understand what I just said? For by grace, the Lamborghini, for by grace are you saved through, say through, through faith. How important is faith? For us to receive the the work of God, for us to have the manifestation of God, it requires us to have an understanding. Faith. It is not just because he loves us that we get it. It's because he loves us that he did it. Does that make sense? So we lay around wondering why God didn't do something. Why didn't God do, why didn't, I mean, he could have, why didn't, why do I, I don't understand, I don't, and we want God to do things just because he's God and he loves us. 
right? I mean, he loves me, why am I not rich? He loves me, why am I not, why, why is Betty blessed and I'm not? But why come I got a new car and I don't have a new car? Come on, I'm preaching real good. If you're going to get what I'm talking about today, because I want you to understand something. If you just think because God loves you, you're going to get it. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And you can't be mad. You're mad at people are mad at God. I don't understand. I don't understand. I can't understand why. I just don't. And churches that preach what God's teaching you. And God put you through that. God, you went through that because God wanted to show you something. You know, that's like saying, okay, you know, people come to the Bible says if you don't have a job, you don't eat. So there's an obedience problem there for people, right? Because if you don't work. Okay, see, I'm preaching so good right now. I am, okay? And then they come to say, I don't understand why God's not paying my bills. I prayed, I sought God, I was on my knees, I cried, I wept before the Lord. I don't understand. And I said, do you have a job? No. No, I ain't got a job. I said, well, did, did you fill out an application? No, I haven't filled out an application. I'm waiting on somebody to call me. I want a special job. God's got one laid up for me. I'm going to tell you something. If I, if I got to eat, if I got to go pick up cans, baby, I'm going to pick up cans. I, I, this is, and, and when I say that, it should make everybody understand what I'm trying to say to you. Now, when you start working and you start doing things and you start moving forward, we see God expands what you already did. See, when you give, it shall be you see, you want, to, you want to be given without give. Now, I'm talking about faith now. Does anybody understand what I'm trying to tell you? If you want given, you have to give. Give, and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I had a man in the church. Great man. One of, one of the elders in the church. And uh, he worked for a metal company. He was like a sheet metal guy, but he worked on all the... Uh, um, all the components that make all, like in the paper mills that make all the paper mills work and stuff like that. I forget what they called him, but like some kind of a machinist. But he was like one of a few. There weren't a lot of them, but they wanted to downsize the plant. They shut the plant down here in Florence. And uh, he came to me. He said, listen, I've had five bypasses on my heart. I don't know where I'm going to get insurance. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and they've shut this plant down. I've got to believe God for a job. I've got to pay my bills. And I need to have retirement and all those kinds of things. And I need God to help me out. And I told him, the Bible says, give and it will be given. Good measure, President. Find, I told him, find an area to give. And so he did just what I said. He showed up here at the church. And he started doing maintenance here at the church. Not asking for a dime. He'd come in here and fix stuff, paint walls. Just started working in the church. And we be, began to pray and believe. He started sowing Started sewing. It's a principle, right? Sewing. Within about a month and a half, he got a phone call from a company in Mississippi. And the company in Mississippi said, we're going to build a new plant in Florence, South Carolina. We heard about you. He didn't have to move to a job. He didn't have to go anywhere. See, when you believe God, God can bring it to you. I mean, some of y'all are running around trying to find your stuff and trying to find yourself. You are you in Christ. Uh, what are you looking for? Start asking God, Lord, send it to me. Send it to my house. So anyway, they called him up and they, and they hired him for more money, paid his insurance full, made him the director of the plant, built a brand new building off of Darlington Street just so he could operate and built a plant there just for him. 
And I'm going to tell you why. Because he used the principle that's in the word of God. If you give, it'll be given. Let me tell you the real truth. He used his faith. He began to act on the word of God. He began to act out the word of God. Faith is an act. It is not you sitting at home saying, dog, I lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I just, Lord, help me. And God said, open the Bible. Your help is in the word. God's word does not lie. How many know God doesn't lie? Look at your name and say, God doesn't lie. Come on, find somebody else say, God doesn't lie. Don't be religious. You're in this church. If you never come back, at least do it today. Look at somebody and say, God doesn't lie. And he's already done it. It's not going to be done. All this man had to do was come in line with God's word, begin to act out God's word, and the grace of God that was there became active in his life because he went through the door of faith. Does anybody understand what I just said? That God gives you the desires of your heart. He manipulates you in your heart. He speaks, that's wrong word, that's a terrible word. He speaks to you through his spirit to your heart. And he puts desires in your heart. He wants you healed. He wants you prosperous. He wants your kids blessed. He wants your marriage blessed. He wants your job blessed. Look at your name and say, God wants to be blessed. And say it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. How important is the door? How important is the door? I agree with the grace message that whatever God wants to do, he's already done. And that he is sovereign. God is sovereign. What he thinks he means, what he means he wrote. But God is so sovereign, unlike us, we don't think things through the next minute or we think them through in the next hour. God thought them through in eternity past. And God thought about you before you were born. Come on, somebody. He knew you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. He didn't think about you today. He thought about you in eternity past. He thought about your answers in eternity past. And he provided the answers for you in eternity past. For you to receive in eternity now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. You know, this tells me that faith is always now with God. It is not in the past, it is not now, and it is not in the future. It is always now with God. For us to operate with God, we've got to catch up with his now. Boy, I know that just, that just went over some of y'all's head. I'm not even going to explain it. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. Because God's time frame is not your time frame. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as is a day. Your minute was, a, was thousands of years ago. <laughs> Your emergency for God was back on the cross.
Why am I saying this? Because we got to stop viewing God as a momentary thing. We got to stop viewing God as an instant. He's not an instant. We have to come up to where he's already been. What he's already said. How he's already described it. We got to come to where God has already told us the answer. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. That's how God described us. God described believers as nothing missing, nothing broken. How many know God wants you to live with nothing missing, nothing broken? Nothing missing, nothing broken. I, don't, I never went and got tested for COVID during the 2020 season. And there was only in our church only one person uh, that had come down with COVID. And they had thought about putting him, Brother Kevin, they thought about putting him on a respirator. This is going to stand up, Brother Kevin. This is the only person at Family Worship Center ever that came down with the COVID virus and they sent him to the hospital and he was there for a little bit. They were going to put him on a respirator. He started getting better. They didn't put him on the respirator and that Sunday he was singing in church. We had, you know, during COVID, anybody that got sick got COVID. I mean, I'm just saying it was because there was a lot of things involved there. And so the big thing was, is, I mean, the flu wasn't really even being tested for. So you, so, so I think we had some people that had gotten sick. I had a couple that moved from here that went to Tennessee, living in Tennessee, and they got sick in Tennessee or he did. He got sick in Tennessee and died and they didn't know how to describe it. So they described his death as COVID, but he wasn't coming to the church at the time. I wasn't there laying hands on him, praying for him. But I'm just going to say for Family Worship Center, the people that went here, we're teaching so strongly on what God's told us that we are saving marriages, seeing people not get sick and die. I, haven't, I, I, I barely ever do a funeral at Family Worship, almost never. Now, some of y'all are getting old, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing funerals soon for some of you older folks. Look at everybody getting mad at me. The Bible says, can a man wants to die? I hate it for you, but I'd rather be dead than live sick. That may sound terrible, but I mean, I mean, I went up to the hospital last night and I, I just, my heart was so passionate for a young man, my age. And he's been in bed for four or five years, can't get out of bed. You know, I mean, just, just, just constantly in bed. I don't even know what that'd be like. Can you imagine you can't move for four or five years? Five years? And, and, but, but I'll say this for him, he's got enough faith to breathe. Amen. Amen. He, he hadn't been able to get out of bed, but he's got enough faith to keep breathing. And he got on a respirator and they thought he was going to die. So I go up there to pray for him yesterday. I get in the room and they have taken the respirator out. And I walked over to the nurse and says, how's he doing? Well, he's, he's doing better today. I mean, they took the respirator. We didn't think he was coming off the respirator. So he's having enough faith to believe. I want to believe to see him get up off the bed. But, but, but let me say this. I just, this is just. Sometimes I've prayed for people. It's better to get healed or heaven. Heaven or healed. As a human being, I'm selfish. I don't want that to occur. When I lost my mother, I didn't want her to die. But if she had lived past the second stroke in two weeks, the last one was like aneurysm, aneurysm or something. Anyway, she, she would have had a long, miserable recovery. I don't even know if she would have been able to talk after it was over. She could have breathed, but she couldn't talk. Now, I don't want to say, this is just me. Now, I'm just saying this. Take it for what it's worth. Because a lot of us get injured, hurt, and, fa- and we, we are bruised and wounded because we lose a loved one. Right? And we want to know why God didn't do something. Right? 
I mean, God saved my son on that road last night. Thank God for it. I mean, that's, we're believing for that every day, right? Okay? Okay? But the guys in the submarine, they're floating down two miles, dead. Instantly. I think I'd rather go like that. I don't want to suffer. I don't want cancer. I don't want my body eaten away. I don't want, you understand what I'm saying? And, and some of us are so, we, we want to think for God about how we feel about it. And some of us have failed to realize that God is thinking for us. And instead of us having to endure a catastrophic illness and disease, Jesus is hooked up with our faith when we're tired and weak. And here's the problem. Let me, let, me, let me help everybody in this room. Catch this with me. Faith is not group. There's not a group faith. Get with me now. You need to get this because if I get done teaching this, we're starting down the right road. Faith is not group faith. It is not denominational faith. It is not mama faith. There's a point when you have to use your own faith. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And it will always be based on you. Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Okay. Since it's based on you, let's, let's point out salvation. If you wanted to get saved and your mama prayed for you and said, Jesus saved my son. And she claimed for you, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. I want Steve's going to be saved in Jesus' name. Did I get saved? No. No. Why? Why? Because her faith won't work for me. I can influence by my faith, but I cannot do by my faith. When people are tired, when they're sick, when they won't receive, when they won't believe, when they won't go get a job, when they won't fill out an application, you can pray all you want to. But until they fill out the application, they ain't getting a job. Amen. They're not going to hire your mother. If your mom went and filled out the application, does anybody hear what I'm trying to say to you? And most of us have doubted God based on somebody else's faith. Most of us have wondered why God didn't do things and we failed to realize that God is good all the time and all the time God is good because of somebody else's faith. It's about them. It's not about you. You can stand there and try and build up their faith, but faith has to be received inside. It can't be received as information. It has to be received as revelation. And when I get revelation, I get manifestation. Not when mama gets revelation, but when I get revelation. And no matter how much God loves us and how much God has done for us and how much God has provided for us, I have to have the revelation that it's for me. See, I know the devil can't steal all my money. I know I'm never going to be poor. I know it. This isn't a thought. I'm not thinking, sure, hope God's going to come. I hope God will show up. God already showed up years and years and years ago. His thousand years back, he saw me and he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be, that's my revelation. It's not just information. I know. I know my 
God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He'll give me wisdom and revelation and knowledge and information. And he'll pour it into me. And then he'll give me the desires of my heart. Faith will work. God answers your faith. He answers your faith every single time. There's not a time that you walk in faith that God will not answer it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. We're so religiously ingrained. And we're always trying to explain You can't explain God. And you have to stop blaming God. Oh, I wish somebody would write that down. Somebody ought to write that down. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming God. I don't know why. I just don't, you know, people. You know, I'm going to use tithing as an example. Just a good example. In order to tithe, it starts by faith. The first time you tithe, it's a big deal. Because you, you have to get past the fear of the natural. You know, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to do it? Once you start the process of tithing, and even before you do, God's been working on you. And so you plan your life with 10% missing. I mean, everything I do in life, everything I've ever done, I plan it. With only 90%. Period. I plan it with 90% because 10 don't belong to me. It belongs to him. I'm only the delivery guy. If I'm a tither, I'm taking what God owns and delivering it to him. I'm the vehicle to deliver his money. I don't own it. So I start with, I get 90. I get 90. So I plan to buy my car on a budget with 90%. And I plan to buy my house with a budget that's 90%. So, instead of buying the $325,000 house, I bought the $220,000 house. Instead of buying the new Toyota Sequoia, I bought a 2011. Because I only had 90%. I'm not reaching into his because I know I got to pay insurance on $325,000. I got to pay taxes on $65,000 or $75,000 for my new Sequoia. No, no, no. Can't go there. So God gave me budget consciousness, not at 100%. I don't make $10 an hour, I make nine. Okay, this is hard teaching. Because everybody wants to go around and talk about, I don't understand why God's not supplying my needs. I need my house payment paid. I need my new car paid. And I'm paying 200 for cable and i got to get that done. And I've been buying Coke by the, by the dozens. And, and I, I went and bought new furniture. And so easy is the church to say, ah, oh, no, no, it's all God. All God. It's all God. It's all God. It's all God. I want you to know something. That's not true. God didn't tell you that. You didn't budget properly. When given the opportunity, 
Now, here's the thing. I, I love God because even in my mistakes, this is the best part about God. He said, even when you've sinned, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Now, I'm not calling that a sin, but he says, lay off every weight and sin that does so easily beset you. I have made some stupid, dumb mistakes. And yes, I needed a miracle. And you know what? God is so good that he gave me the miracle. And I want you to know something. I thank God because he'll bail you out. He will bail you out. It took you, how old are you? I hate to ask. 62. 62 years to get here. And you want God to do it in five seconds. I'm going to fix it in five seconds. That's how we think, right? Fix it in five seconds. God don't work on your time scale. He works on his time scale. And he works on his principles, not your principles. He works in his environment, not your environment. It's when we come into his environment that he works for us. And he takes things that are useless and makes them something special. He takes, listen, you're going to have, faith is an act. It is an act. It is the way we act. That's why he said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, he said, you know, we ought to have the faith of God. And then in verse 22, Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith, it says. Have the God kind of faith. And then it says, you can say unto that mountain, be thou removed, plucked up, cast in the sea. If you won't doubt in your heart, but believe the thing you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. Verse 24, or 25 uh, says, and when you pray, believe, you receive it, and you'll have it. That's faith. The disciples asked, explain to me faith. And God said it this way, if you'll say, not me, if you'll say to the mountain, to the dilemma challenge, to the thing in front of you, the thing standing in your way, if you'll speak to the mountain, if you'll say to the mountain, be thou removed, tell it where to go, and you don't doubt in your heart. There are so many, you say it and you expected it in the next second, you blame God for the problem that came, but it wasn't God's problem, God didn't do it, God didn't cause it, God is your solution though. If you understood that and then said, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out, but I'll take whatever solution you bring, won't doubt in his heart, but he believes the thing that he says shall come to pass. So you still, listen, three times in that verse it uses the word say. Three times it's talking about an action. If three times you'll act on the word of God. If three times you'll say what the word of God is. If you three times, three times, only one time talks about believing. In other words, once it, once it becomes revelation to you, it's up to you to act on the revelation. Three times. Stop blaming God. Start realizing that everything you need is provided already. It's already there. God restores marriages. God heals our bodies. Stop blaming him for somebody else's failure in faith. I have done this multiple times, and I'm almost done. I'll be finished in just a second. And they'll come to me with a problem. Bobby Sue... My second cousin, third removed, has gotten sick. <laughs> and oh, I'm so sad for Bobby Sue. And oh, I tell you, it's just hurting me so bad. And I'm just so, I'm so messed up over Bobby Sue. And I'm just having trouble trusting God. I mean, Bobby Sue's got scriptures all over a wall. And I, 
If anybody was going to get it, Bobby Sue was going to get it. And I, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. Usually after I've heard that 20-minute speech, I'll, say, I'll go to him and I'll say, okay, now, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I mean, are you believing God? Yeah, yeah. How's your money? Great. How's your health? <sighs> Sick every once in a while, but not really. I never have to go to the hospital. I'm feeling great. Then I say to them, so you walking in faith are doing great. You don't know their life. You don't know their faith. You don't know their situation. You don't know what's going on in their life. And that's affecting your faith? I don't care who you are. You ain't messing up my faith. I don't care what you do. You're not messing up my faith. I I don't care what's going on with you. It's not going to mess up my faith. I know where I stand. Having done all to stand, I'm just going to stand. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm not moved by what you do. I'm not moved by this church. I'm not moved by the people in this church. I'm not moved by the excitement and the extravagance or whatever. I'm only moved by the word. I know the word and the word will make me free. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It is your stance in the word of God that makes the difference. Lady was coming to our church early on. She was sick, had cancer. And she's dying of cancer. And so it was such in the church that I would just, you know, anybody that wanted to come, and I still feel this way, if I've got to bring in, I went and got a lounge chair, like one of those fold-back chairs, a really relaxing lounge chair, sat at the back of the auditorium. She could come and sit in this wonderful lounge chair. I wanted her to be in the church to hear the Word of God because I know if I can get the Word of God in you, I'm going to change your life. Folks, I'm going to change your life. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'll take it away from me. I can't do anything, but I'm going to get the word in you, and the word is going to change your life. The word is going to change your life. I have no power. I have no ability. It's all about Jesus. It was always about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We're pointing at Jesus. I'm leading you to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Family worship center is not your answer. Jesus is your answer. Put the seat. And uh, so she's now in the hospital. She's dying. I get news that she's in a lawsuit with a pastor. They come and tell me that there's a church lawsuit. She owned the church before. The church is in it. The land is somehow possessed by her. There's some kind of controversy. They're suing each other over this building, over this land. And she's, I didn't know this, but she's venomous about it. She's sick and dying of cancer. Now, Jesus said, by by stripes we're healed. I know that Jesus has already healed her. I don't know why she's not healed. But she had one of those things. You open refrigerators, papers with scriptures on them. Scriptures all over the walls. Look like she'd even done them on the ceiling. I mean, she could quote, blah, 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 blah. But she had information. But there was one, the Bible says don't, don't have suits or lawsuits against your brother. I go into the hospital room, I said to her, I said, ma'am, and this is true, it really happened. I said, the Lord spoke to my heart. And the Lord told me that there's a problem. And you're the one holding up your healing. I said, you need to release the lawsuit. For your sake. Oh, that's my money. That's my, I mean, bam. I mean, this, this woman, her eyes lit up like red coming out. <laughs> I will never 
Release this lawsuit. And the Lord said to me, and you will never see your healing. Remember the man came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, one thing thou lackest. You want all that I have to offer and I can give you as much as I can. How many know he doesn't? Our salvation isn't based on that. Our salvation is based on belief. We believe and confess. Salvation is independent of the things we go through in natural life. But God wants to take care of our natural life. One thing thou lackest. I want you to look back through your life and think of the times that God began to deal with you. Begin to talk to you. Begin to, to say if you'll do this. If you'll do this. If you'll do this. And you said, nah. It is, it is your obedience. See, faith is a now thing. Does anybody hear what I'm trying to say to you? Does anybody get this? Now, it's a now thing. And that it's an obedience now. now the God's ble- God is so good. Because I've watched with my own, I'll just talk about me. I've watched God deal with me over and over and over and over and over. How many know what I'm talking about? Steve, clean up that attitude. Get that pride out of there. Just little things along the way. You know, I've let so many things go because you do that over the years. And he dealt with that then. Remember when you were still smoking and the Lord said, lay down your cigarettes. And you finally said, okay. Once you laid down your cigarettes, something great happened. Wonderful things occurred and your life began to change. And then all of a sudden you're standing looking at something else. And he says, you need to. Have you, has anybody in here but me had that happen? Where you let stuff go? Because he's changing you from glory to glory to glory to glory. Every born again believer is being changed from glory. When nobody changes, there's something wrong with either them or the word they're hearing. Because if I'm preaching the right word, it should stimulate the moment that you think back. And God said, you need to lay down that situation. You need to ignore that condition. You need to put that down. You need to deal. And when you do, God blesses you for your obedience. He anoints you through your obedience. We don't just say, well, I live in grace. No, no, no. Grace is there, but obedience to the word of God. When I have faith, when I say to the mountain, be thou removed, plucked up, cast into the sea, and I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe the thing that I said shall come to pass. I'll have whatever. You want to quit some of these things? I have people that come to me and they do want to quit smoking. They read the box. It says if you keep smoking, you're going to get cancer. If you keep smoking, you're going to get something wrong with your lungs. If you keep smoking, it's going to end your life early. It's on the box. I don't need to give some spiritual something, something. And we used to preach this stuff in there. You're going to go to hell if you're smoking. No, you're going to die early if you're smoking. You're going to probably get cancer if you're smoking. And God don't want you to have cancer. And he doesn't want you to die early. He said, with long life. Didn't he? Didn't he say, with long life, I'll satisfy you. God will give you the life to the point you're satisfied. Then when you had enough, he'll take you home. Or you can go home is a better way to put it. Wandering, I can't read. (laughs) Who wants that? But if you came to me and said, God's been dealing with me. He wants me to live. He wants me to live. He wants me to live. Will you pray with me? Can we get delivered from this?
I need to get delivered. And my first words are, keep smoking. Now everybody in here is going to be like, what? Keep smoking. But every time you touch one of those things, you speak the word of God over it. You speak to that mountain. You curse it in the name of Jesus. You command your body to hate it in Jesus' name. You speak to it and say, every time I touch one of these things, I hate it. I thank God that I'm delivered from it. I'm free from it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that every time I take one, that I'm taking one less. And that, Lord, you're going to start, I'm going to start seeing my body change. I thank you. I start speaking God's word over it. That This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost, it should live healthy and whole. And I command myself to be free. I speak to me, my body, and my flesh. And I tell you, flesh, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you're going to stop smoking these cigarettes. And I thank you, Lord, that when I pray, that I can know that I've prayed and I can have the answers I've desired of the Lord and that I'm coming free from this thing in my life. And I have not yet had one person that ever smoked that did not get free from smoking because they used the word of God on the cigarette. You don't think it works? I'm telling you today, I don't care what has addicted you, what has, you have the power. This is the victory. The word of faith is nigh thee, even in your mouth, which is the word of faith, which we preach. The word is nigh thee, it's in your mouth, which is the word of faith, which we preach. You shall say to a mountain, be thou removed, plucked up and cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart. But believe the thing you say shall come to pass. you got to stop doubting. See, some of you parents are doubting your choice about your kids. This is good. This is really good. You have doubted that you have the right to speak to bad relationships for your daughter or your son. Well, I don't want to interfere. I don't want to get in on that. I want you to know something. That don't happen in my house. Because as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If God shows me a problem with somebody, my, daughter, my son came home with a little girl. Amy and I went in the room. What are we doing? Both of us. We knew something wasn't right. We knew it. But the weapons of our warfare, oh, I'm not getting enough shouting. I'm talking faith today. I'm talking about faith today. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Husbands, you can't break out a gun and go shoot him. You can't threaten his life. They'll put you in jail. Really? You think you got the answer? Close the door. We started praying in the spirit and speaking over our son. That's not right. He don't need to be with that girl. Sneakily, he'd come out. He'd be with the girl. We'd come in the room. Father, in Jesus' name. Cursing that. really. I command them to come disconnect them. I thank you, Lord, that you'll show my son. He'll see it. We come to the church one day. And and he and this girl come to church. Now, this is a crazy thing because I'm about to lose my mind when he did it. They come to church. Something happened with them. And she's like walking out of the building and he's chasing her outside. I'm thinking, boy, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> chasing no girl out of this. What are you talking about? We don't chase women. I got my son. 
I don't know what happened to their relationship, but I watched God dissolve it, cut it in half, break it apart, tear it up, rip it open. Because I knew, I knew, we know. Folks, you got Jesus living in your heart. You are not walking in mysteries. You know. We walk around in denial. You got to deal with stuff, not deny it. Deal with it. You're going to find out the truth about it. And when you do, deal with it. They broke up. We were so happy. Amy and I went behind those same closed doors, started dancing in a room. (laughs) Holy Ghost came on us in the room. God told me, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. They not marrying the wrong one. This is everything. I'm not talking about just your money. I'm talking about your life. God wants to work in your money and your family and your children. He wants to protect. Don't you want to protect them? Don't you want to keep them safe from from people that would vandalize your home? Come on. A month later, she was gay. A month later, she's gay. Something was wrong. And God revealed it. And I dealt with it. Oh, man, am I preaching so, man. He acts on his word and his will. You have the answers for your life in this wonderful Bible. And God hasn't left out anything that you need. He's carried everything to the cross. He has made sure that your sins are taken care of. Your wealth is taken care of. Your eternity is taken care of. Your marriages are taken care of. Your families are taken care of. I'm telling you, if God is for you, what does it matter? Who? No weapon. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We are not going to live affliction free. Storms come. Issues come. Challenges come. The devil is a liar. He goes about like a roaring lion. If you want to complain about what God already told you you're going to go through, you're just dumb. Is that too hard? No? Okay. Because we're sitting around complaining. Oh, God. Oh, oh, life. Oh, oh. When I took this job, I knew the devil would come after my wife and my family. He'd come after my money and my children. He'd come after my life, my cars, my houses. Never did I think he wouldn't try. But no weapon. being sad stop being depressed stop being upset stop having a frowny face put your godly smile on put show your teeth the joy of the Lord is my strength you can't knock me down I'm getting back up you can't destroy me I'm standing back up 
has no weapon. Come on, somebody. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I say that to you in Jesus' name. I'm a winner. I'm successful. I'm blessed. I'm going through. I'm going over. Come on, church, shout a little bit more. Shout a little bit more. Come on. I'm done here. This is it. Now, faith is the substance. The Word of God is my substance. Faith is the substance. What I know in the Word, what He said about me, I'm not looking for blessings, I'm just looking for God. And when I look for God, then I look for what God does. If I'm serving God, God should show up. If I'm serving God, what God does should show up. You'll know them by their fruit. If you're serving God, then good stuff showing up. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And he'll never change his mind. If I'm serving God and loving God, then good, I should start seeing the goodness. Come on, I should start seeing the goodness. I don't see the negative and I ain't got enough and I can't make it. I see the goodness. I see the obedience. I see the revelation. Look, they must be serving God. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them when they serve God. Come on, when they serve God. Faith is the substance. It stands in the place of whatever I don't have. The thing exists whether I have it in my hand or not. It's there. It is the evidence of the things that I can't see. 11.6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For if you're going to come to God, you've got to believe that He is. And... That is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If I'm diligently seeking God, the revelation comes. If you're still in the dumbs and grums and the down and outs and the disturbed and the confused and the messed up, you need to figure out where you're serving him. That's right. right. That's, oh, that's, Pastor Steve, that's just good that's preaching. Right. Kenneth Hagin said this, faith is grasping the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the realms of reality. What I don't see that is in the word, guaranteed to me, my faith brings them into my reality. I wrote it this way. This is mine personal. Faith is my actions in correspondence with his word, demonstrating that I believe no matter what the challenges, that his word sown in my heart will not fail me. It will not fail me. Lastly, God is only committed to his word. You cannot commit God to anything else. And no argument you have will adjust God. 
It's easy for me to walk across this stage and no matter where you are, no matter what your situation, I can walk across this stage and I can say that God wants every one of you wealthy to have more than enough. Every one of you. God wants every one of you sickness free by Jesus stripes. You're healed. God wants every one of you delivered from sin. When you got saved, you started walking the life with Jesus and there were things in your life and still are. You're dealing with. There are things. And he's faithful to deal with them continuously. Continuously talk with them. And they're all different. Every one of us is different. Every one of us is challenged with something else. Every one of us is facing all kinds of different challenges. And he's, he's working in us because as he, as he corrects the challenges, we receive the blessings. God wants to bless you in every way possible.